1: Hello, welcome to The Balance Podcast. Our guest today, uh, the quite remarkable Jesse May Lee. Jesse's 25 years old. Talk about having the world by the tail. Jesse is the star of the new Netflix mega smash, Shadow and Bone. It is absolutely tearing it up on Netflix right now. It is a fantasy drama. It is being hailed as the new... Game of Thrones in the most positive way uh, possible. I mean, I would say that if you were associated with a new show, that is uh, a wonderful tag to be given. It is out now. I was, as you will discover in this episode, I was absolutely blown away by Jesse. It was one of those where I bid an emotional goodbye, went downstairs and just beamed to my wife like, oh my goodness, this is a this is a wonderful chat and immediately becomes one of my favourite ever. I, I know I say that a lot, but immediately becomes one of my favourite ever episodes. And one thing that I discover at the age of 42 is that I, I, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm learning more now about the world than ever before. And to chat with Jessie was such an education, uh, was such an incredible experience. And I learned so much from her. Um, and I guess on a personal level, I just really like to thank her for. I remember interviewing Bros for 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 Balance, and it was Luke Goss, the drummer, talked about uh, bearing your soul and speaking from your soul and um, speaking truth. I, th- I think about that a lot. He was a, a remarkable. They were both remarkable. They were both. I sorry, I'm, <laughs> I didn't intend to talk about my love of Bros, but here we are. Uh, but but that's what Jesse did. Um. And I'm really grateful that she she was just uh, authentic, honest, truthful, informative, educational, and on and on and on. I cannot say enough wonderful things about Jessie uh, May And uh, and as I said at the end of this interview, I would predict I, I would st- I would put the last tenner in my wallet on this girl going uh, thermonuclear as a a comedian friend of mine says when someone goes thermonuclear that means that they're going to become absolutely massive uh i mean to be, fair, to be fair she's the lead in a huge budget netflix series mega smash so she's already doing very well but you know what i mean uh i i sense that uh she's she's just getting started so um huge thanks to jesse miley this is an absolute banger uh, if you share it you'll be doing as a solid we are at balance ldn i'm at james gill comedy that's across all the socials here she is uh this is this is a terrific episode and as i say to jesse there are a couple of points where she couldn't see but uh i was crying there's no two ways about it absolutely <laughs> i was crying uh fantastic thank you jesse oh hey how are you Hello. Sorry, i had a browser up i'm so sorry.
2: No, no, you worry.
1: What an appalling uh, first impression! Right, I'll be <laughs> recording. I, I I live in fear of the of, of one of these not recording sometimes. So it, it's uh, it's just a constant state of anxiety.
2: Uh, <laughs> well, it's the same on this end. Just just having to having to do it.
1: <laughs> it oh no! It's
2: ridiculous.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, look. I mean, this is uh, just straight off the bat. This is Greenland territory, isn't it? The lead in a a big budget. Netflix series I mean this is this is could you just say a bit about that because that's incredible
2: it's really strange I feel like it's only really hit home for me recently which seemed even when we were filming and everything I was I just think I was too busy just having a good time to really consider you know any of the things that you just said um (laughs) So, you know, it, it is. It's. I'm coming to terms with it now. During press and and talking to people about it, it is. Um, it's something that as a kid I never thought I would be able to do, especially looking like I do. And, um, but you know, times is changing. And, um, yeah, I'm incredibly proud and excited for for people to watch the show, really, and and for you know, young. Young people who maybe are mixed race or Asian or whatever be able to see a, a character that they can relate to and and feel inspired by. I think that's I think that's pretty cool.
1: Now, so I have two very young girls, and so I I probably look at the world through a different lens now than mm-hmm. when I was a single guy many many years ago. But when I watch when I watch old things now with the two girls, it's it's almost breathtaking. When you read, and I, and these are things that I take for granted, and I hold my hands up. When you watch like an old movie, and almost every cast member is male, or the hit, the hero is male, and the person that the, the person that turns out to be the villain is is the femme fatale, or you know, whatever it might be. Um, it but it is, it, it's, it is absolutely crazy, isn't it? When you th- I mean, that's not even that long ago.
2: No, I know revisiting films that you know were childhood favorites or things that you know I watched as a kid and just think. Oh my goodness! What a what an awful representation of of women um, in this film, you know. This this female character doesn't even have any decent lines, or you know, this film doesn't pass the Bechdel test. And you just think, you know, it that's that's what so many people of my generation, early generations, grew up thinking. Um, and especially now, you've got two young girls. You must be thinking, like, oh, I don't want, I don't want you to grow up thinking this is how you have to behave.
1: My wife and I were having a conversation about the film. <laughs> I can't remember the bad man or the classic here. We were having a conversation about the film Greece. Now, obviously, when you're a teenager, well, sorry, when I was a teenager, which again, it's a long, long time ago. <laughs> it's such an exciting film, but obviously, the message of that movie is and so I, and bad. I feel terrible that I've singled out Greece, and there are many worse culprits. <laughs> But it, it it makes you realise that the the messages and the subtext of certain films are jaw dropping.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh,
1: have you? Uh, um, when did you notice a, a, a change? How, you know, how how recent does it feel to you? You know, someone who's now very much at the the, the vanguard of such positivity.
2: I feel like there's always been, you know. <laughs> the issue is I think the things that were in the mainstream that are in the cultural, you know, zeitgeist that we actually talk about were the ones with the, the poor representation with the sort of toxic relationships and the, you know, t- two dimensional characters. Um, when there always has been, you know, if you go looking for it or you're someone who, you know, pays attention to the things that go on the sidelines, there's always been like really well-written female characters. um, But they're just not the ones that, that everyone talked about, or the ones that were in the magazines, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think it's been interesting, you know. Certainly, because I feel like in my lifetime, as I've become an adult, you know, it was like as a child, it was you know the sort of like you were saying the grease kind of um, characters, and then throughout my teenagers, I kind of you start. I think that um, that whole feminist wave of of strong female, you know, Mary Sue characters who actually in lots of ways aren't very feminist and are very two-dimensional. So that kind of was throughout my teenage years, I you started to see that. And I feel like now we're finally coming into like the adulthood of of you know this female representation on screen where you actually are getting realistic female characters, not not strong, badass female characters, because that's that feels old old now to me like when people say oh what's it like playing a badass female character? I'm like well she's actually not she's kind of just she's kind of just a person and she does her best but she doesn't start off certainly being badass and I wouldn't even describe her at the end as being badass she's kind of just she's just a s- strong person um and and that's what's important to me I think is you know we've always seen fairly well-rounded male characters who have flaws and <laughs> you know <laughs> And you know, and then suddenly, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just really glad. I feel like Alina feels like a real person that you could meet, you know, your sister or your friend, um, and and that's really cool. I
1: think um, there, there was that, there was that, that era, and I'm sure at the time it felt progressive and you know, <laughs> right on. But uh, it was, it was that era where there was a spate of these movies where. It, it was the, the, the man and gosh, he had troubles that the, it was the, the term, I can't remember which writer came up with this term, but it was something like the, the manic pixie girl.
2: Oh, uh, manic, pic, manic pixie dream girl. Yeah. Manic
1: pixie, dr- oh, bless <laughs> you. <I'm> so, so <laughs> delighted that you, yeah, you're helping out there. Yes. But do you remember and at, the t- at the time that was like, that was like this, this big thing. And then we, we look back now, I'm whispering, it wasn't that long ago. no. <laughs> Your, your, your cheeks sort of burn with shame, don't they?
2: Yeah, it, it is embarrassing. And I actually have been described in my real life as a manic pixie dream girl. And oh, yeah. I, I'm i just like, please never say that. I know you mean that in a good way, but like, it's not really a good thing. Um, but you're so right. And that was fairly recently. And, and still things still come out now that have that kind of element to it. So yeah, it is... It is weird, but I guess you know people think that's what people want because they don't know any different in some ways. Um, But it is—it's that kind of like faux feminism or like oh feminism, you know—that that just doesn't—it doesn't feel authentic. It feels like it's written by someone who doesn't know what it means to be a woman and essentially what it means just to be a person because women are just
1: people. So <laughs> you know, yeah, absolutely. You know, and it, and it was always God if, if only. If only our troubled three-dimensional man could find that manic pixie dri- Oh, yeah! You, you know what? She's changed his perspective. Thank you, manic pixie. <laughs> As if that was, you know, her, her role was just to serve the the, the, yeah. the, the troubled neuro- neurotic man. Um, and then, I mean, also the thing that you, you mentioned there about the, you know, for a while it was it was the, the the badass woman. I remember doing a set visit on the film Annihilation. You know, the Natalie Portman, oh, yeah, that's a Thompson movie. I remember chat with the with the with the cast there and it was, we're all agreeing, it was kind of sad that for a while, Ellen Ripley was like the only, you know, we talk about this badass woman, it felt like the best part of 20 years. I mean, you know, I know there's the the, the odd example that will disprove my theory, but generally speaking, I mean, what a, again, what a travesty for all those amazing female actors who were never given the chance to pursue these these proper roles, you know.
2: Yeah, and like Ripley was... Written for a man, am I right? I think so.
1: I did. Wow, I did not know that.
2: Ripley was originally going to be played by a man, and that's and that's what that's why that's such a beloved character because because it's realistic. You know, they didn't have to go. I don't know. Change the script to fit Sigourney Weaver. You know, they 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 just said, oh well, well you can do the same thing, and that's that's true feminism. That's cool. Um, you know, and there's and that's a thing. All of these characters who are well-rounded and realistic. You know, even just things like Sarah Connor in Terminator 2, like, you know, when she's she's had her sort of glow-up, prison chin-ups and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. People remember that. Because, you know, it's something that actually lots of people can relate to and it feels like a real a real person. It's not just I think we are all exhausted and bored of the same tropes and the same characters coming up all the time. So when there is a character that stands out for having their own life and their own world and their own, you know, weird quirks and idiosyncrasies. We love them, you know, in the same way that we love that in real people. When we meet them, you meet some guy down the pub and he's just like such a quirky, you know, he's like the the guy that everyone knows who sits outside the pub. We love people like that. We love characters. And I think what I find to be a shame is sometimes I watch things and I feel like they're not characters anymore. They're almost like those melodrama sort of archetypes. And we see them again and again and again played in the same way. And and it is, it it gets boring and you can't always put your finger on why you're not enjoying something. But it's because I know what this character is going to do. I know what this character's going to say because I've seen it before. Um, and I think what's nice about, you know, on our show and Shadow and Bone, I feel like lots of the characters behave in ways that are authentic to them and maybe unexpected to the audience. And that's what makes it exciting because we don't know what's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with, with that side of things, definitely, especially in terms of the female characters.
1: And I, I, what I'm about to say, I sound like I uh, own shares in in Netflix and I transparency. <laughs> I, I, I do. I wish I did. I wish I'd got on board early, but I I, I do not. One of the great things about Netflix, um, I'm I'm, I'm going to drop a name, and I I apologise profusely. <laughs> But I'd interviewed uh, Patricia Arquette a couple of years oh, ago. Yeah. She was saying, I'm, I, I'll edit that bit out. I'm, uh, I've let my family down by dropping a name
2: there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not judging you.
1: Thank you very much. But she, <laughs> I mean, you've done the same, you know, you, you, when you chat with some people and they offer a different perspective and you, it stays with you and you, you know, you, your eyes open and you think, oh, that person has inspired me to see the world differently. Patricia, I kept was saying that because of this age of of streaming and you, you know your Netflixes and your I don't know why I'm pluralizing that. Netflix, uh, <laughs> Amazon Prime, Hulu in America, and on and on and on. And the great thing is, is that we 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 have the, the quality and the quantity, and it means that there are now roles written for people from all backgrounds, all ages. Now this 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 feels sexist that I'm about, this is about to come out of my mouth but in the 80s if you were a, a female actor over the age of say 35 I mean your roles were, were limited whereas these days and Patricia Arquette has got this groaning awards cabinet to prove it <laughs> you can be any age and 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 you know I know I'm not saying things are perfect but th- things are certainly better any age and any background and it does feel like things are a much more plentiful
2: yeah definitely. and one thing I always find really weird is that while obviously I understand it from a perspective when it comes to like race and sexuality and things you know people talk about TV shows and films having representation and how that will appeal to those groups, you know, and i and I get that especially if you've grown up never seeing people who look like you or people who have experienced what you've experienced. um so I understand that, but what I never get is when people you know you hear conversations, you read things where um producers or whoever's been in charge of a film have been concerned that there aren't women in this film or there aren't men in this film so that men if there's no men in the film the man won't watch it and it's like hang on okay 50 percent of the world is is female you know whatever um if we're being just very binary about it but you know men have and sisters and friends and colleagues and stuff, it's it's like the way it's talked about sometimes feels like, oh, okay, if there's no man in this film, then men won't understand it. And it's like, well, they will. Or if there's no women in this film, I think, to be honest, mostly because of the nature of the fact that we are all intermixed, and, you know, unless you're in a predominantly just male, I don't know, if the film takes place in a male locker room or something, you know, you understand (laughs) the lack of (laughs) female representation. But... You know, I think it is good that there's a mixture of characters and different genders and whatever. But it is just bizarre that people think that, you know, that that we are so different and we're just not. Like I, I'm very much. I remember being at school a lot when you know and and. People would often say, oh, you know, boys on this side, girls on this side. And like boys and girls can't really be friends unless they fancy each other. And and I just think, especially as a queer person, I was like, well, that's just like categorically not true. <laughs> like, and it's all these things <laughs> that, you know, if you if you are someone who, you know, finds it, you you do feel influenced a lot by the things that you watch and the things you hear and the opinions you hear from other people. That's how you're going to frame your world. That's how you're going to develop your your worldview is based on, on these things. And, and I feel like I was a, a, a victim of that. You know, I had a, quite a, a sort of conventional upbringing in lots of ways. And I watched a lot of mainstream films and I watched a lot of mainstream TV where these ideas are presented and read the interviews where people said things like that, you know, or oh, well, that we needed to put a woman in the film so women would watch it. And, and I just thought afterwards, I think, well, that's just really stupid. That is really stupid. And things like, you know, when Harry met Sally, you know, men and women can't be friends. That really does exist in people's minds. And, you know, I, I will have, you know, I've got plenty of, like, very, very close male friends. And um, and people will say, oh, well, you know. And it's like, well, well no, because I'm friends with my brother. I'm friends with my male cousins. I'm not, like, interested in them. So, <laughs> you know. And you haven't asked me my sexuality. So for all you know, I could be gay. So, you know, it's just these things do exist. And while I don't think everything should be political, I don't think everything should be making a point. I think there is a certain responsibility from, you know, shows and things, especially shows that have a younger audience, to be able to put forward, you know, realistic ideas and expectations. And, um, and I think there should be more of that.
1: Uh, but also in the, like in the year twenty twenty one that we you know did you see the SNL sketch at the weekend about the the lesbian period drama? No. Kerry Mulligan oh, no. is in this sketch, and there's the voiceover, and it's and it's like set in the you know nineteenth century or whatever, and it's nailing all the tropes, and it, and you're you're watching, you get you know and again you're like oh this is heartbreakingly true, and then I think the fu- I'm ruining the sketch here, but the, <laughs> and it's you know and it's. uh, the the you know something like the, the oscar-nominated uh stolen glances and they look at each other and you know <laughs> and there's a scene where they, they touch hands and oh um and then the final line is um and there's only one a year and it, but again it's true it's it, it, even now a, a film such as that the, the films that they're sending up it's 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 still such a rare event i mean it's 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 but i mean like the fact Brokeback Mountain, for example, when that came out, which again, it's not that long ago, it's like, oh my god, oh my god, there's a there's a film where, wait for it, two men find each other attract, you know, and it's um, yeah, it, it, it's again, it's it's breathtaking, isn't it?
2: Completely, you know, and and despite sort of existing in this like LGBTQ world, I myself, you know, I'm assuming there's playing up. Um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, but I was so, I loved that film. I loved, you know, because there are, there's such a deficit when it comes to like period things, especially that that have queer relationships. When obviously that was, that's been going on. <laughs> since time began, you know, um, and, and especially in terms of, you know, what we love about stories and, and films and things, we love high stakes situations. So it's, it's bizarre to me that it hasn't been more, you know, kind of period, settings that have um you know relationships that weren't weren't going to be accepted at that time obviously there are that the things you know the interracial relationships that's that's become more of a thing recently but but certainly anything lgbtq we don't hear about it so you kind of you know some people may even believe in some way that it's a fairly new thing that people are doing you know oh, all these young people being all gay and stuff and it's like well like it's always been a thing but it was have something that had to be hidden so the fact that just the fact that it was something that was high stakes and we love love stories we love people coming together we love forbidden romances why is it not something we see more I, I find that weird um but maybe you know things like this SNL sketch <laughs> will, great, will get great. people thinking about it I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it straight up <laughs> <on. laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Kerry. I mean, Kerry Mulligan. I mean, you know, fair play because sometimes a host will play it safe, you know, and, and you hear these stories from the writers' room, but the host will say, "Can't do that. I can't do that." But Kerry Mulligan has clearly just gone. I'm, I'm, I'm up, I'm forever. For um, again, this mean, is. I'm going to blow smoke in your direction. So, you know, strap in. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, you you know, your own story is again. as Somebody's got two young girls, but it seems you are, you're so inspiring because. I find I find it so. It, it, my heart breaks that certain actors and, and sports stars feel that they can't come out. And again, in the year twenty twenty one, and you think that some of the struggles that these people must have gone through. And I, and I get from their point of view, I get why they why they don't feel safe. Maybe it's online abuse. Maybe you know. Maybe they think it will cost their career, um, but. It, well, I guess what I'm, I'm basically just pr- heaping praise on your shoulders here. Um, it's so refreshing um, that you're, that you, 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 you've, do, you know, you've done what you've done. You, you know, you you you're, you, as you've just said there, you're, you're queer. Is it, does your heart not break that other actors feel that they cannot do that?
2: Oh, definitely. I mean, I feel, I feel very privileged to be in my generation, I think, because, you know while there are obviously people my age and younger who still very much struggle with being able to be themselves whatever that may be yeah um i think that it's a lot more accepted in my age group i was like in the sweet spot where you know there was still a lot of homophobia and things at school but at the same time there was like a, the new wave coming in of people just being like well fuck it who cares it doesn't involve me so you know whatever um so I, I feel quite lucky you know and I think people from generations that, that came before you know there's still so much you know in my mum's generation even my mum has lots of friends who are who were queer but even them you know they had such a hard time coming out and some of them still weren't able to talk about these things you know well into adulthood um and that's it seems bizarre to me and I I think you know while in lots of ways I'm quite a private person um in other ways like in terms of you know my queerness or you know i I've, I've recently found out i'm neurodivergent i've got ADHD um in race and things like that i mean i've always found throughout my life whether it was you know things at school and people talking about relationships or embarrassing stories i've always found that if you just if if i if i would go into a conversation and say hey look this super embarrassing thing happened to me quite often that person I'm talking to would have had the same thing happen and feel this like amazing relief. Like, Oh, I'm so glad you said that because that happened to me. And Oh God. And, and then you end up having this like bonding experience with this person where you, and that person realizes they don't need to be worried about what they were worrying about. And so I find now, obviously I have social media, despite sort of, you know, being a bit unsure about that. Um, But if I can be open about things that other people are struggling with it, it might help people just get over it in some ways. If you do have, if you are prejudiced towards certain things and you just, you see people who are just living their lives and don't really, and you know, I'm not bothering you. You're not bothering me. Um, I think it can give some people the courage to come out or say what it is that they want to say without the fear of having to, you know, say it, almost, Um, because it's just like, oh, you know, certainly with me in terms of like coming out to my family, it's I just sort of kind of like fairly matter of fact statements that I would say sometimes and, oh, oh, okay. And that's it. And if if you build these things up in your mind, um, you know, and and again, I'm lucky that I'm in a fairly like liberal understanding um, family and some people are definitely not. But I just think that the more that people are able to talk about who they are, the more we see that everyone is, everyone is different, and you don't know. It, it doesn't matter, you know. When people say, "Oh, this person's just come out as gay," I never, you know, thought that they were gay. It's um, so, like, well, you still liked them, you still watched their shows, you still watched their films. Um, nothing has changed. They've been gay the whole time. You just didn't know about it. So, surely it's not that much of a big deal, then, right? You know, that's that's how I see it, anyway.
1: I don't know if you saw that. You made me cry about three times during this interview. But I, I, I've got I, I tears in my eyes during the answer there. If I could, have, if I could have, if I could have paused you, I'd have, I'd have like popped outside and had a full. Uh, oh goodness me! Oh man, that was so, honestly. You're you you're, you're about half my age, and you're, you're already my hero. Honestly, that was. Uh, <laughs> so that was amazing. That was so good. Honestly, Jesus oh. Christ. Nice because I would say, I would say to you, what I was getting? I mean, in a very waffly way, what I want to say is, I would say to you, I see you as a trailblazer. Whereas I think you would say to me, no, I, this is this to me and my generation is this is normal.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that Have ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Gigi Palmer.
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: Look, I mean, I think this life is so stressful for many people, for many reasons, you know, and I think everything's relative. And I'm very much of the opinion that why... Why should we make things harder for ourselves? You know, I was talking to a friend about this the other day. We were talking about people holding grudges. Um, you know, obviously it's, it depends on situation to situation. But if, if, if the wrong has been done and, you know, it's not affecting you terribly, why keep holding on to that? It's only going to make your life difficult if you were to have to see that person. You know, why not just bridge, you know, just say, look, okay, this thing happened between us. I'm sorry, you're sorry, let's just move on. And if we do have to spend time together, we can do that and we can be sure. civil or we can be friends. And I think it, it, in the same way, I feel like that about lots of things. I feel like we can spend so much time worrying, oh my God, what is that person going to say if I say that? What's that person going to think of me? Oh, p- someone might be racist. Someone might be homophobic. Someone might not understand you know, my gender identity. Whatever it is, we can sit around and worry about it on top of everything else we've got to worry about. You know, especially in this current climate when you know everyone's well, luckily today, not so much, but you know, people are locked indoors and um there's so much there's there's so much poison in this world. And it's just like, why keep more of that inside you? Um, so I'm always encouraging of people just to just to just to be honest, because more often than not, when you then just come out and say something. People don't actually care or people or people aren't as affected in the way that you might be anticipating they're more likely to just be like, "No, I kind of knew that or or something you know oh. um so I just think why make your life harder? yes, there's you are always opening yourself up to criticism or to stupid comments, but you're also opening yourself up to being able to let people in and meet new people and you know let's say you're a, you're a young person coming out as being trans and you're really worried about it, but then, you know, you do, and yeah, there's going to be people who don't understand, you know, and hopefully that will start to change, but you're also going to meet loads of other people going through the same thing that you are. You know, that's, that's the one positive of social media. You can meet these people. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I think it, I I do think if I'm going to be this person, I am going to, you know, have a, oh, a platform as it were. Um, I I would like to be able to, just be myself, and hopefully, hopefully, encourage other people, especially younger people, that to be able to do the same and just be like, well, "Fuck it!" I think. I think that's that's the thing we've all got to just feel sometimes. It's like, "Fuck it." What's the point? I'm just going to go outside and have fun. Like that's it.
1: What you just said there, you've you've saved every listener thousands of pounds worth of therapy because that is, <laughs> you know, if therapy is. You're losing these shackles and just being yourself and living this free life and you know dropping so many hang-ups. Um is that something you've have you ever pursued therapy?
2: Have I had therapy? I, I have I have had therapy a few times um in
1: the, and the past. The therapist was paying you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, why not? That's I should I should get back in contact. Um no, I think it's I, I'm really blessed in in my friendships and in my family you know my mum is just such this brilliant strong person she's so understanding and I think she raised me and my brother to be very much people who you know if someone was acting up or someone's being unkind we'd be able to think it was probably because they're not you know they're not ha- they're not happy that's what happens people you know people sort of hurl their vitriol at others because they probably had it held at them and for sure. um and I think growing up with that sort of in mind is just—I don't know. It's—I I feel very thankful to have had my mum because she's—we she's, we spent most of my life just having in-depth conversations about things like like this, um, and that's been great for me. You know, like I said, I, I've had troubles with lots of things with mental mental health problems, and and I'm now at a point where I just think I'm just not going to make life even more difficult in the same way with acting as well you know when we're doing our show you can and everyone's process is different but you know some people get so worked up you know I've met actors who get really really nervous and that's completely fine that's their process but for me personally I'd rather just go in not have any kind of clear ideas of what what to do apart from you know a little bit of backstory in my head and play around until we get there and then just think, well. Okay, that's what happened. That's that's what we got. That's what we're going to use. If you're happy, I'm happy. To the director, and and then just put it out your mind because because otherwise, I would I would probably sit around. You know, I'm someone who hyperfixates on things, and I would probably just sit around and think, Oh God, why did I say that line like that? Why do I just don't have time for that. There's so much other stuff. There's so much washing up to be done all the time. You know. <laughs>
1: But when, I mean, with that attitude, I mean, you're going to be, uh, you're a director's dream, aren't you? <laughs> do
2: you know, I think because I have a real interest in directing and, you know, I, I would love to do that at some point in my life. I feel like, you know, and I, and I think as well with, with acting, you, you can sometimes, especially on screen, you can sometimes get lost in the idea that, you know, your performance here, you know, you've got to give it all. You've got to give it all. You've got to show all the emotion. Um, otherwise, you haven't done a good job. When actually, especially on screen, there's the edit to consider and there's the score that's going to come swelling in at that point. And there's all these other things that, that we're not thinking about, but the director is. So more often than not, if you've got a competent director, they've got all this planned out. So I guess I just think, well, you know what you want to see. I might give you some alternatives, but... Let's let's do that because I, I trust you. And I think that's important because it's the kind of relationship I'd want if I was directing something that that people will understand. OK, I've got it all in my head and um, please give me some options. But but this is this is what I envisage. And I think, again, bearing that in mind, bearing in mind that we're all cogs turning in, in something together and it's not your performance is, you know, it's like putting makeup on your performance you know, having the music, having the edit, having sound and, and things. And so you can, you know, you can have a fairly straight face sometimes and just have the thoughts going and the audience will know exactly who you're thinking about because we probably have just cut away from them or Mm. we'll have the, the the leitmotif of that character's music. And, you know, so much of the storytelling is in the edit and in the music. And I think again, you just got to say fuck it I trust you and and then we'll hopefully we'll watch it and it will be it'll be great um I mean one day you know if I do direct something I hope that <laughs> I hope I can have that relationship probably end up casting someone who I don't know <laughs> probably tells me how to shoot it so
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, were you were you familiar with the with the books before uh Sharon burn?
2: I'd heard of them because I before becoming an actor, I had dropped out of uni and I went to um, I worked in a secondary school in my hometown as an SEN teacher. So teaching assistant. Um, So lots of my students were in their teens. I was only like 19. I was (laughs) a teenager as well. But um, and they had read the books and I would sort of I so I knew about them. I knew they were popular because they were sort of after my time. Um, But I hadn't read them. It wasn't until i just finished my first audition that I started reading them um and yeah i could just see why people love these books i don't think i realized how big the fandom was at that point but i could see why you know it was something slightly different and exciting and it had all these really colorful characters um so yeah i that's when i kind of it was around yeah the audition process that i actually read them
1: so i, I it's somewhat embarrassing. you know if 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 you know one of the purposes of life is self betterment then then an area I need to pull my finger out is—is is, i really beat myself up here—is fantasy literature. <laughs> it's just sort of, I don't, for whatever you know. I, I used to consider myself w- uh, well-read, but you know now I'm really having—I'm really having doubts. Would you would you recommend the, these books? I take it.
2: I think that sport. So the Six of Crows books—they kind of skew a bit more adult. I think the Shadow and Bone story is a a more for a younger audience. What what age? I would say like teenage, teenage, okay, um, and you know, but there's nothing too. Yeah, I mean, there obviously is kind of you know, relationships and a bit of violence and stuff, but they are they are. I think they skew a bit younger, and the Sips of Crows books are, you know, a bit bit older. Um, but certainly, and I think it's interesting, especially for people watching the show to read the books, especially if you enjoyed it, just to sort of see what was different and how it changed, because that was so, that was so much of of the process was taking this thing and changing it Um, and something that I, you know, fans of the books will probably be quite excited because there are little things that are different and some of the characters are very different. Um, The way they've weaved the two books together is kind of cool. Um, So, you know, fairly easy laid back read. Why not?
1: (laughs) I'll be be honest with you. I finished, this is self-indulgent at best, but I finished The Remains of the Day a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) And I loved it. I'm do you ever read a book and you loved it so much that it's like a relationship and you're not ready to move on to that has, that's absolutely happened. I'm, like, I'm not ready to the, commit. To to uh, another book. Oh my God. I thought, I thought it was absolutely extraordinary, but maybe, you know what? Maybe uh, maybe Jesse, you're, you've, you've thrown me the rope here to, uh, <laughs> to, to, to move me out. Now, do I, do I take it with, with this, the, the plan? And again, I, I sound like your agent saying this, but the, <laughs> the hope would be that this is this can run and run, can't it, for, for many more seasons? Yeah, I think
2: so. I mean, as far as my character's concerned, Alina, she's only in three of the books, so she's in her own sort of trilogy. Um, and obviously the series follows, you know, the Six of Crows stories as well. Um, but, you know, and, and Lee's continuing to write more books within the same universe. So, yeah, I mean, could, could very well got, keep going on, I think one thing that I would be opposed to is the show going on and on and on when the stories ended or when my character's stories ended. I think one thing that often I feel a bit disappointed by is when you're watching a show and, and it's, it's, it's dead. Just,
1: just, just oh. stop. <laughs> Hey, I'll tell you if this wasn't a podcast and it wasn't recording, I would name you <laughs> a minimum of three shows like that yeah. where, Again, wife and I on the sofa, you're almost saying it out loud to the television.
2: You just think, Guys. you know, there were some things that were, you know, brilliant in the first season. You just think, why, just that that story ended. You know, we don't need that anymore. <laughs> um, and, you know, because then it just becomes fan service and I'm, it becomes cynical in a way that, that I just don't like. And I, I will give something a go and just think, the magic's gone. And so I think... I would be very keen to, once Alina's done, once her story's done, I'm out there. I will be devastated to have to leave everyone if that's the case. But at the same time, you know, I, I would hate for Alina to just hang around for no reason.
0: But
1: also, <laughs> once, you're, once your character's done, you want to torch the set so that no one else can carry on.
2: Yeah. Oh, hang on. What's going on here? Ooh. Um. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs>
1: just, that's it. No more.
0: Well, if I am um, out, you
1: can't enjoy it either, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there was, I mean, there was, there was one show in particular. I mean, is, is this a thing that happens? Is it is it where, where the writer and the, the creators, they they know that this is a one-series thing? And look, neither is the naming a show. <laughs> and it proves a bigger hit than perhaps the channel were expecting. And the channel go, have another season. And the writer's probably thinking, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> they, and they sort of grind out this extra season because they they couldn't turn down the commission, but it, you, all you're doing really is you're you're then cheapening the the first season, aren't you?
2: Well, yeah, exactly, and I, and I I think it's a shame because you know especially for someone like me, like I I have to really really want to watch something to sit down and watch it, especially something that's got lots of seasons. Um, you know, I I I find it I get. I get bored of things quite quickly in terms of okay, this is alright. Yeah, no, I know. Can you, you know? So <laughs> true. My brain is moving very fast, and I and I need I need you to stimulate me, not not just tell me the same yeah, thing. Yeah, get wrong.
1: where this. Yeah, if we could, yeah, 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 yeah get,
2: to, get to the point. Um, yeah. so it is it is a real shame, and and like you were saying, I could name many shows where I have been really excited and had great things and I've sat down to watch something and I love the first season or all the, the first two seasons or something and then it just gets weird and it gets like what or you end up having characters that meet each other that like why but it's probably because someone on reddit said that they wanted to see that happen and it's suddenly happening and it doesn't make any sense for the characters and I think people end up the characters just end up behaving in ways that they shouldn't Do and that then makes you go, Oh, I really like that character, and now I don't, I don't, what, what, you know? Um, so I think, and it's a shame, and again, it just makes me, I love people being creative and being able to like make things happen, make art, but what I don't like is when things are just studios. Giving people money to make more money, to make money off the merchandise and make money off the actors and stuff. I find that I, it is cynical and just churning things out that just, you know, no one actually is, cares about anymore. You know, on our show in Shadow and Bone, everyone cared so much about getting it right and and making something cool, making something original. Every single department was so enthusiastic and wanted to tell you all about <laughs> all about what they were doing um you know costume or visual effects, or whatever um and that's great and and hopefully going forward, you know it continues to be like that because the story will go in an interesting route and we'll go to different countries in this world and we'll go to you know meet new people um but I would hate for it just to be like oh yeah well we, we we can recycle that thing from you know that last season or we can hark back to um you know the, I was reading something about intertextuality in terms of like lots of films at the moment and cinematic universes um and it was re- it was really interesting because there's so much of that like oh look you remember this thing you liked that didn't you <laughs> and oh look oh look here's this prop from 20 yeah. years ago whatever and yes it makes you go oh but it's shallow. It's that's it, really. That you go oh, and then you kind of get over it, and might as well just watch the first film,
1: <laughs> like or the original film, you know. And if you're gonna do that, what well, you know, if you have that feeling of ooh, I remember, this reminds me of when I was 13. But then, but then the thing actually has to. You know, let's just and again, I've got to be careful here. But let's just <laughs> yeah. say, right, remember that the pencil from the first one. We're gonna do, we're gonna do a full spin off all about the pencil, right? And you go, <laughs> yeah. ooh, oh, I remember how old I was when that film came out. But then you've absolutely got to deliver on the product, haven't you? If you're just going through the motions, then yeah. the interest, of, interest drops off the cliff,
0: doesn't it?
2: Exactly. And then, you know, you're not... the the. Right the your intention of making something you know making more money and making more excitement and stuff it just it does just fall flat and then everyone everyone kind of feels disappointed i think the people watching it and the people making it and then it's just sort of like oh let's just not talk about it anymore (laughs) because put it away because it's embarrassing and you know that's not what we want for the the you know the the things that we consume we want to be excited and and you know, be invested in something, and when you know what's going to happen, it's just, it's just boring. So, uh,
1: uh, 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 I no, know, I know you've been stupendously generous with with your time. I'm, I'm incredibly, for me to weep at uh, just on ten a.m. is is always uh, a, <laughs> a big win. But a, f- a friend of mine works in uh, in television production, and he he says, what often happens is someone will say, you know, what you should do, you should bring back the Krypton Factor. That was a brilliant show. And what this person always says is, no, it's not that ne- it's not necessarily that the show was brilliant. It's because you were 13 years old when that show was on. And what you're actually saying is, I was really happy when I was 13. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly.
1: <laughs> um, I
2: have really fond memories of that time. So everything was really, really good. <laughs> and,
1: then, yeah, and then you give them what they, they want and then they watch it and go, oh, yeah, OK, it, wasn't, it actually wasn't as as good as I remembered. Um, <laughs> now." I mean, you are you are someone right now who, as a, I remember David Letterman once used this phrase: "You have the world by the tail." Right? This is a that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. You've got the world by the tail. Now, is there anything you are allowed to tell us about last night in Soho without, you know, Edgar Wright's representatives s- swinging through your <laughs> <window>? <laughs> through
2: the skylight? Um, yeah. I, yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm not a huge part in it. I've got a fairly small part. Um, it was a really great experience, especially going from that straight into Shadow and Bone. Um, I was able to take a lot of what I kind of learned or what I was able to observe on set. Um, but it's, it's to be honest, it's, it's very original. You know, I, I remember reading the script and thinking, I've never really, you know, then obviously Edgar Wright, you know, there's music, um, you know, Tracks to, to sort of almost like listen to while um while you're reading it, and I was like, oh, this is really unexpected. I wasn't sure where this was going, and now it's here, and it's, um, I think it's really cool. And then obviously, having seen you know the sort of rudimentary trailer cut together, um, it's a lot scarier than I thought it was going to be. I know it's I was sort of anticipating, you know, it's obviously written, you know, like a horror and a, a thriller, um, but seeing it all to come together, especially. Oh, you know my character is essentially one of the um the classmates of the of the lady thomason oh she's just absolutely brilliant um watch it for her alone i think she's just stunning (laughs) um such a brilliant actor and um yeah so so i wasn't really party to lots of the the horror stuff there's only a few scenes where where those elements were brought in um but yeah, I think it's. I think it's be really cool, and it, just seeing how you know the rhythm and the music is incorporated into scenes. Um, obviously, having watched Baby Driver, it was really interesting seeing that side of it because I it's not something I was completely unaware of. Um, you know, getting things on beat and and stuff that was really cool. So um, I think it's I think it's gonna be great. I I can't wait to actually see it. Because i haven't, I haven't seen it, but um, yeah, I've got I've got high expectations.
1: So, when, you know what the listener can't see is my b- brow is furrowed, my jaw's open because what you just said there. So, in the script, so I'm a big Pearl Jam fan. So, so in the script, would it literally say Pearl Jam rear view mirror plays while X? Does he actually name the tracks in the script?
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, I hope I'm allowed to say that. Sorry, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, you had, and obviously, you know, lots of it, I, I'm pretty sure I'm allowed to say this, lots of it takes place in the 60s as well as sort of yeah. modern day. So you had lots of 60s music, um, some of which I didn't know very well, but then you really get an idea of the tone of this scene, and and it re- you know music does play a really important part to sort of yeah set the tone of lots of lots of the scenes. So I always love that. I love it when lots of different elements come together to to create something. Um, so yeah, I guess we we'll have to wait and see. I think it's coming out in the autumn now. Um, yeah, it's a long time coming that one as well.
1: I, I have a feeling that the next time we chat, you'll be clutching an Oscar. You know what I mean? That I really feel like uh, there's a, spe- honestly, there's a, there is a, there's a, such a special aura. I don't, I don't say this. Uh, I don't think I've ever said this to anyone ever, but
2: I'm
1: telling you. Um, now, before you, before you go, there's a question that I often forget to ask is what do you, what's the name of the podcast and you, the amount of times I've, I've, press stop on the dictaphone or whatever and gone oh for god's sake i didn't ask um wh- what do you do for balance
2: what do i do for balance i think spending so my nature is to be very um i love people and i love socializing and things but at the same time i have to almost force myself to spend some time alone a lot of the time i'm, I'm if someone says hey do you want to come out and do this I'll go, oh yeah i've got loads of things to do but i but i do really want to see you and i i I just, I follow the fun, but I think ensuring that I do have time just to be by myself to, to have that lion or to, you know, just go for a walk and listen to a podcast or something, you know, and make sure I have that time because, you know, again, life is so fast and everything is so instant and everything is, you know, instant gratification all the time. And and so I like doing things day to day that take time, you know, whether it's cooking a really ridiculously <laughs> intricate recipe or a meal that takes ages to make, or, you know, taking, taking time, really giving, giving my, you know, my habitat a real like clean or something, you know, doing those sort of slow activities, I think is so important because, you know, the world is only getting faster, you know, as, as all these, you know, the internet speeds are are getting faster, we're all, everything and our time's demanded from us all the time. And and I think so when you can, and if you have the, the opportunity to do so, like take time for yourself, do something weird that you like doing, whatever that may be, whatever your little hobby is and make sure you make time for it because, you know, and, and spending time in nature is really important. We get it. We spend so much time looking at screens sure. and I think, you know, being able to just go outside and hear birds singing if you can, um, is really really important for your well-being because we were not human beings evol- have evolved but we we haven't evolved you know we're not meant to be in the environments that we're in and i think that's why everyone has so much anxiety and and you know and worrying about having anxiety like being nervous and anxious is a part of human nature but then we get so wound up about it because on the internet if you you hear that you're anxious and you've, you're ill and everyone just gets constantly just snowballing out of control so I think just getting down and and meeting your basic human needs um spending time in nature I think it's just something we should all make time for just so we can just have a bit of peace and quiet (laughs) it's so loud sometimes
1: Jesse when I grow up I want to be more like you (laughs)
2: stop (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh look hu- huge and heartfelt thanks and, and again i'm looking at the clock and i uh, apologies for waffling on thank there but tell. that was such a privilege so thank you so much
2: that was a really lovely chat i really enjoyed it
1: you too oh, bless you thank you so much
2: all right well hopefully we meet again
1: well yeah absolutely and good luck with the show
2: <laughs> thank you so much huge right.
1: congratulations amazing
2: oh thank you, bless you big
1: Take care. huge and heartfelt thanks to to jesse and as i say Shadow and Bone is out now um, and was trending very, very high. Uh, and, and I was going to say, I suspect it'll be a, a huge hit. That is, the horse <laughs> has bolted. It's already a hit. Uh, across the socials, Jesse is, Jesse Mayley. So it is J-E-S-S-I-E-M-E-I-L-I. Tell you what I'll do. I'll hyperlink it. That'll make it easier, won't it? Um but yeah, you could probably tell. I thought the I thought the world of Jesse. I mean, think she's absolutely uh fantastic. What what a talent and what uh, just what an amazing dude in general. Anyway, sorry I'm I'm beaming like a proud parent. <laughs> uh huge and heartfelt thanks to you all. Always really grateful. Um I hope you know that I mean that uh, take care and we will uh, we'll see you again soon. Thank you. Bye bye bye.